But joining me now are dear friend, Mr. Al Bat. Good morning, Al. Hey, good morning, Karen. Good morning, everyone. Hope you're having a delightful day. I want to say happy birthday to the love of my life, yes. Gail. So today is her birthday, and I, I should also add to good friend Tim Scott. They they share a oh. birthday, so ha- happy birthday to both. They just uh, um, both have enhanced my life uh, incredibly. So one much more than the other, of course. I have to <laughs> Tim, say right? To yeah. Tim. Oh, no, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh. And I also need to mention that the International Festival of Owls is coming up. It'll be in Houston, Minnesota Ooh. on March 6th through the 8th, I believe is the dates on those. I have been over there, been a presenter, and it's a great deal of fun. Um, it's amazing how many people will go to Houston, Minnesota. Houston, Minnesota is a... Uh, it wouldn't even make a a good size or a medium sized neighborhood in Houston, Texas. But it's uh, I, I love Houston, Minnesota. I much prefer Houston, Minnesota over Texas. No offense to any Houstonians from <laughs> Texas, but it's a a great thing, and you can find everything you'd ever want to know online. Just uh, if you type in International Festival of Owls, and it is the biggest festival of owls in the world, oh. as far as I am aware. And it's in Houston, Minnesota again, because uh, I don't want anybody driving down to Houston, Texas, and <laughs> saying, I, I, "Where is this thing?" They said there'd be a festival of owls here, but uh, Carla does a great job over there. Uh, all kinds of folks have been sending me photos of deer in their yard, and uh, boy, you know, oh, deer, yes. they they change from grazers to browsers, and you're one of the folks that sent me some photos. They they, uh, they come in to eat, I, I speak about it often, they eat arborvitae, and Ken Nelson of Clark's Grove called, and he said, I have so many fewer deer this year. I don't know if he was upset about it. He was just <laughs> stating a point. And he was wondering why. Well, herds change. I sometimes wonder, we've had so much uh, building out in the country of uh, solar farms and things mm-hmm. like that, which you wouldn't think would bother deer much, but it might uh, impact their corridors where they used uh-huh. to walk in this same trail now all of a sudden they might have to veer off to the side and go around and with ken i know he had beans around his house this year and last year there was corn planted around there so that would uh, impact food a little bit there wouldn't be the corn there so that might be part of it too well i've got a question uh, but, about dear you mentioned all the the uh, solar po- solar panels and things like that. I've noticed the deer now are coming, and they are going right up to the patio window. I mean, like they are coming down the steps on from the patio down to the the basement uh, patio sliding door. And so my question is, I have a whole bunch of of beautiful green plants in front of that window. Can they see through that window? And are they trying to maybe think they're going to come in and get them, or do they rely on smell and? And not sight. Yeah. Oh, they look at things. They have a great sense of smell. But I, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me that they're looking in there and saying, "Look, there's something inside there that looks edible." I know. Um, uh, I was over to a friend's place. Phil Morheim lives rural Albert Lee, and we're sitting down there and just, well, we're talking about you name it. We were talking about it. Then looked outside, and here comes two deer. They're from this year's. Uh, births and 
they walk up there, and one would stop, and the one behind would kind of paw it from behind, saying, hmm. no, get up there, get up there, don't be chicken. <laughs> There's always one that's just pushing the other one on. And they would come on, and they would look in the in the glass, so they could certainly see what was going on in there. The problem, Phil said with them, is they weren't scared of him. He oh. could just go up and pound on the window, and they'd take a few steps down the hill, and then they would come right back up. But what they were in interested in eating were all the sunflowers and things that had fallen onto his concrete deck. In previous years, I've had them come up to our feeders here, and that tongue goes out. I swear it's two (laughs) foot long the way it comes out. And they just take all the sunflower seeds off a platform feeder, just and they're gone. Well, I've heard heard cases where deer have broken through windows, like in schools and things like that. So my concern is, will they be coming through the window? And also with the big solar glass panels, is is that a risk for them that the deer would, you know, be jumping or running around and breaking them, or isn't that an issue? And I think a lot of the times when deer run through windows in cities and stuff is because maybe they're being chased oh. by a dog or they're uh, chased by kids or mm-hmm. frightened by a car. Uh, otherwise, they, they're probably not going to do that. And, w- and where it might be a problem for them traveling through a solar panel farm is they wouldn't be frightened by the solar panels at all, but there's a fence around mm. that doesn't allow them to get oh. in there for the most part. Okay. And so then they have to walk around it. So I'm hoping they won't be jumping in there and <laughs> all kinds of bad things happening. There are uh, pheasants under my feeders in my yard just this morning, and it's a hen and a rooster. I see them about every day, and it's really neat. I saw a red fox on the road the other day, and they're just amazing, these guys. They stay warm. They have these thick winter coats, and an adult rarely retreats to a den in winter. But it curls into a ball out there in the middle of nowhere, out in the open, and it uses that bushy tail to wrap around its nose and foot pads. So that's the things that are going to get cold on it, nose and foot pads. And I've looked through spawning scopes and seen foxes nearly blanketed in snow. Uh, I walked by a, uh, well, it's a river. I call it a dredge ditch, but it's, it's a river, and it was open but it was wrinkled in the wind. You've all seen that, where the water's just moving a little bit because the wind's getting after it. And I watched a hawk perched in a cottonwood, and it was a red-tailed hawk. And the hawk had quite a slice, and it wasn't anywhere near a golf course. In falconry, a slice is when a hawk propels its droppings out and away from a nest or a perch. Hmm. And a bigger bird, like a bald eagle, can add serious velocity to that action. (laughs) If anybody's ever been to a raptor show, you've seen this happen. Falconers refer to hawk droppings as mutes. I'm always going to look that up. I I don't have any idea like you mute your, your phone. They call them mutes. Well, I'm watching this hawk, and for some reason I thought of a line from a book I'd read, and the line was, the hawk was everything I wanted to be, solitary, self-possessed, free from grief, and numb to the hurts of human life. But I'm guessing Helen MacDonald wasn't thinking about slicing when she wrote that part of her delightful book, H is for Hawk. I squinted... uh, 
oh, was it last night? Well, anyway, to see the rabbit on the moon. And I know a lot of folks still believe the man on the moon, but that's a myth. And I thought the moon looked yellow, silver, or white, kind of the way I looked at it, but it was likely gray in color. Uh, Nels Thompson. Oh, I've known Nels forever and a day. He probably thinks it's longer than that. But he saw a snowy owl, first Mm. one that I've uh, been notified, I guess, as far as I can recollect. And it's in Dodge County. He also saw a Cooper's hawk there. Uh, Bob Williams saw a tufted titmouse in Goodhue County. I still have a beautiful little guy coming to my feeders here every day. Uh, Chad Hines saw a Cooper's hawk in Blue Earth County. Kimberly Emerson saw a sharpshin hawk in Goodhue County. Ron Erpelding, uh, a longtime friend, has a red-headed woodpecker he's seeing in Renville County, and that would be certainly rare there this time of year. Herb Dingman uh, saw a sharpshin hawk in Cottonwood County, and notice there's a lot of sharpshins in Cooper's hawks, exhibitors. Uh, Bob Williams. Uh, a friend who is, I believe, now retired from the real estate business and is pretty much looking at birds full-time, I believe. Uh, Sibley County, he saw a Merlin, and that would be, again, rare. And he also saw a yellow-rumped warbler. Yellow-rumped warbler. Warbler. Oh, my gosh, that's in Scott. That'd be rare. Uh, The yellow-rumped warblers are our toughest warbler, probably, as far as weather goes, cold weather. Diedrich Benz uh, saw a yellow-rumped warbler in Houston County, and again, that'd be rare. Brad Abendroth saw a sharpshin hawk in Scott County, and Ron Erpelding once again saw an eastern bluebird in Renville County. Uh, Dean Young, a friend from Viroqua, Wisconsin, sent me a photo of a white-headed cardinal. He said, I've had the same white-headed cardinal at my feeder for two years. I'm wondering if this variation is just a female variation, male, or maybe it doesn't matter. Anyhow, it's pretty cool. The cardinal is pretty skittish and shy of other birds. Not sure how common this is. And it had um, a reddish on the wings, reddish on the tail, a little bit of red on the crest, a little brown on the back, and the rest was kind of white. It was just one cool bird, and it's a condition called leukism, L-E-U-C-I-S-M, and meaning having light colors where there should be dark. And again, with the tinges of red on the wings, tail, and crest, it's a lovely female. Uh, Susan Shelton said, we are receiving regular visits from a red-headed woodpecker at our feeder and suet. We've been in our home 20, over 23 years, and this is the first one I've ever seen in the neighborhood. Hmm. Uh, Robert Jesson said, we have an active bird feeder with cardinals, many goldfinches, house finches, morning doves, etc. Once in a while, a sharp-shinned hawk will visit. A couple weeks ago, it came, sat still, flew up in a tree, and then took off chasing a bird, which I thought was a red-bellied woodpecker. The woodpecker never came again, so I assumed he was lunch. Lately, a female red-bellied took his place. This morning, I looked over to neighbors and thought, what was that on the ground? I walked over and picked up a headless, sharp-shinned hawk. Did I mention we have a great horned owl, too? I can only assume the owl did it. It was either the owl or the butler, Robert. I learned that early in life by reading mysteries. Uh, Stephen Hudek 
saw a Cooper's Hawk in Rice County. Uh, Doug Keezer in this been Olmsted County. He had a Carolina Wren. Joel Klaus of Cottonwood County saw a Townsend Solitaire. Uh, good friend Bob Jansen of uh, he's in Scott County saw an American Black Duck at the Shakopee Mill Pond. Brad Abendroth in Scott County at a Ruddy Duck and a Sharpshin Hawk. Andrew Nyhus again in Scott County. Northern Shoveler, American Black Duck, Ringneck Duck, Lesser Scop, Hooded Merganser, and an American Coot. And Karen, we were uh, uh, blessed by getting uh, a postcard from uh, our good friend John in New Ulm mm-hmm. and uh, explaining why we hadn't heard from him for a while. I had already notified the authorities and put out an all po- all points bulletin, so I'm sure they'll be knocking at his door and, and giving him a series of questioning. But um, he, uh, you know, he, one morning John got a call from a, a sheriff. Well, you never want to get a no. call from a sheriff un- unless you bought a ticket to win a brand new car from the sheriff's department. You just don't. And it was uh, from the Anoka sheriff. His father had fallen, and they had to break the door to get in. And so John's been up there trying to help out and uh, take care and, uh, oh, you know, home health nurse and ambulance and hospitals, pastors. A lot of you know that routine. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say it's a routine, but a lot of you know that experience. And he said there is a photo of his dad in the May of 2020 New Alm calendar. I think it's a public so utilities it, calendar. That, so I was going to try and look that up because, you know, his his dad is also an amazing artist and has done just some amazing uh, drawings and things. I think they've been used by the State Fair and, and other things, too. So kind of a, a cool guy. Yeah, and he said, uh, John said, pretty much everybody in New Alm will get that calendar mm-hmm. or have gotten that calendar in the mail. So. So um, good luck to you, John. He says it's not easy trying to take care of somebody living 110 miles away, and sometimes I get mentally drained. So yeah. uh, our thoughts are with you. And uh, Again, a lot of us have uh, certainly had that experience, and uh, mentally draining is, uh, to put it lightly, I guess. A uh, nice listener said, I'm seeing some carpenter ants. Do carpenter ants eat wood? They do not. Uh, termites do, uh, but carpenters ants don't. But what carpenter ants do is they nest in weakened wood, so wet wood, rotting wood, that sort of thing. So, you know, if you're seeing a bunch of them and you're seeing them in the house, you might want to do some checking around as far as where wet spots uh, you, you should be able to see uh, windows have rotted and that sort of thing so they might be uh, they might be there just to tell you hey you got a problem over here and you should see to it uh, a listener said you al you mentioned bird songs and bird calls a lot i do and <laughs> she asked what is the difference between a bird song and it's call. Well, that's great. All questions are great. Uh, songs and calls. How can we think of them? They are the cell phones of the avian world. So a bird song is generally related to mating. So birds may sing to attract mates, claim territory, or just for pair bonding, saying, I still love you. I'm, I'm thinking about you. I'm here 10 feet away. 
And songs are often sung repeatedly. We will hear a cardinal male get up on the peak of a little tree and just teed up there and sing over and over and over and over again. A call is more flexible in usage. So many calls are short notes or phrases that birds use to convey alarm, provide identification, or maintain contact, like we do in the the giant supermarket where we call a spouse from one aisle to the other and say, <laughs> where are you? I'm by the uh, Captain Crunch. Uh, the dapper black-capped chickadee. Now, we would think chickadee-dee-dee-dee. That would be a song. And we'd think of the the whistle. That yes. would be a call, but it's the other way around. Oh, the chickadee dee is a call, and it can be used to communicate danger. With research suggesting the number of D notes increases in proportion to the perceived threat. I was out filling the bird feeders. So the little chickadees out there, they're going chickadee dee 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 dee, and <laughs> I don't think it was me. I think there was a um, a hawk, a sharp chin oh. hawk that's been in the yard, and that's what they were worried about. Probably not so much about me because they know I'm a uh, just a harmless old fool out and, there. And we were hearing a lot of the chickadees this weekend when it was kind of getting a little bit warmer too and my, my son said mom I hear birds so you know they've been a little quieter I think yeah. during the cold so the the warmth must just wake them up and thinking it's going to be spring soon and I love hearing that song up yes. there that whistle it just uh, it cheers me and also blue jays now are doing this queedle 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 or pump handle call some people will call it and uh, that's another sign and then we will hear uh, white-breasted nuthatch is doing that, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> and also downy woodpeckers are the primary one right now that are drumming on resonant wood a branch, and those are all signs of that these birds are starting to think about spring. Isn't it too and early for them yet? It's it's just the beginning of February. Isn't that early or not for them? Oh, you know, being a Girl, you didn't have to go through all this that boys do when there'd be, we knew a dance was coming up and we'd have to practice for two or three months just to how we're going to ask somebody to the dance. And I think that's what they're doing. They're just practicing saying, oh man, you know, that's not good. I'll have to try something different. So a lot of it is probably just practice and their fancy is turning. And chickadees are so cool. A chickadee is as good a ventriloquist as Jeff Dunham. And so it's hard to place when it vocalizes without moving its lips. And chickadees are really good ventriloquists because they do not move their lips. A uh, listener says, squirrels aggravate me. (laughs) I wish I could appreciate them more. I'm not sure if that's a question, or I think that's more of a just a statement, but maybe asking for help, a way to appreciate squirrels. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna concentrate on the part where it says, "I wish I could appreciate them more." Your wish is granted, and you still have two wishes remaining. Here are five reasons: five reasons to treasure squirrels. They eat some insects. They plant trees. They are accomplished acrobats. I watch them run down utility wires. I just, it's amazing. They run down trees head first. Don't try that. 
and they speak very highly of you. So I think uh, there's some reasons to like squirrels, and and they're cute. They really are cute. I know we don't think they're so cute when they're chewing up our bird feeders, but they are cute. Speaking of bird feeders, I had somebody ask. I'm a I love window feeders. I think they're great for like um, nursing homes and rest homes and. Uh, assisted living where they allow you to put them on the windows and you have crank out windows so you can fill the bird feeders from inside Mm -hmm. and the birds come right up to the window and I think maybe it helps a little bit as far as birds flying into the window so I I just love window feeders most of them are little platform feeders with suction cups so you put them on the window and they work great and then they fall off the window and yes. <laughs> the person I was talking to said, I love my window feeder, but how do I get the suction cups to stick again after they've fallen off? Well, first, you need to wash the window. You know, with uh, there's so many wonderful uh, cleaners out there, yeah, the ammonia things, or you can use alcohol on them, whatever, get the window nice and clean. Then you wash the feeder. And place the suction cups in hot water for for a few minutes, oh. just so you make the cups pliable, because they can stiffen up. So you want to bring back flexibility, and dry the suction cups, and then apply. Take a paper towel and apply a little vegetable oil on each cup. Just dab it on there a little bit, and then wipe it lightly before applying the feeder. So you kind of want the vegetable oil just on the edge of the suction cup. And then apply the feeder to the window, and you push those suction cups on. Make sure all the air is out of the suction. You all know how to put suction cups on. (laughs) But you want to put it on a window that has probably been warmed by the sun or a hair dryer. And don't fill the feeder until you're sure it's securely held in place because, well, I've made that mistake. It's, I said, that's on there. Perfect. I do good work. I put the seeds on there, and five minutes later, the whole thing falls to the ground again. So you, you should get quite a few years. You know, sooner or later, the weather and the sun and everything will crack or cause some suction cup problems. And with some of the feeders, you can get replacement suction cups by going to oh, almost any any of the home stores or bird stores or Fleet Farm or Menards, any of those kind of places, or even the Hobby Lobby. Uh, and you should be able to get suction cups that will fit on there, but not always. Some of them just aren't meant to, to be. They want you to buy a new one, so... But I, good luck to you. Like I said, I've got uh, three of them, of uh, those feeders on the windows of our house, and I just love them. They bring little chickadees right in there, these little dapper birds. Uh, the tufted titmouse comes in there, and I had a red-bellied woodpecker, and I just love those things. Uh, things to see or smell while you're walking uphill everywhere, because on icy days like this, we do that. You know, those one of the signs tell us to walk like a penguin, but we walk like Tim Conway did when he played the little old man just shuffling along, and we walk like that, which isn't, you know, no matter how old you are, it's not. Nobody wants to fall, so. 
they talk about that when we were little kids, we'd fall, everybody would laugh. They'd say, oh, that is what a, you know, and then you get to be an adult and you fall, nobody laughs anymore. They panic and come running over and say, oh my goodness, are you okay? So it'll seem like you're walking uphill everywhere. But there's things to um, to see or smell. Uh, skunk cologne in the air. Uh, it's pretty... <laughs> It's hard to, you know, hemp, the hemp fields smell like skunk. They do? They should be, yeah. I, I didn't know that. Be. You know, my 12-year-old said one time, he goes, you know, Mom, I kind of like the smell of skunk. And I'm like, oh, really? Maybe it, it does appeal. I'm, I'm sure that, if though, if he wants to use that when he's interested in girls, it probably won't be a good attractant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, saddle. And I, I read somewhere that there's a certain percentage, is fairly small, of people that enjoy the smell of skunk. Yeah. They, they like the smell. So it's, <laughs> and there are people that like lutefisk. So, you know, yeah. there's, there's a certain percentage that like odd things. That, yeah, hemp, uh, hemp sm- smells like a flock of, of skunks. Oh, it's, did uh, not know that. And, but skunks, I saw one come out of a culvert. Oh, I saw where he'd come out of the culvert, walked across the road, and went into the culvert on the other side. And it was after a snowfall. And they have these little short legs, skunks. So when they walk through the snow, it's pretty easy to pick out a skunk because it looks like they're plowing the snow. <laughs> Their belly just digs through the snow. Another thing for us to uh, see at this time of year are the bright scarlet stems of the red osier dogwood. Uh, the stems of spring, my father would call them, and they are beautiful. It's just a lovely red Lovely scarlet color. And on a sunny day, snow fleas might be seen on the top of snow where it had melted a bit around the base of trees or maybe the foundations of buildings. And they look as if someone had spilled pepper. And a lot of people will not believe you when you tell them you've been looking at snow fleas, but you will know that there really are such things as snow fleas. They're little springtails is what they are, and it's just one of those really cool things to see. A text from somebody said, do polar bears hibernate? Well, um, they definitely don't in Minnesota. Uh, The farthest south, I believe, that polar bears live all year is James Bay in Canada, And in winter, polar bears move as far south as Newfoundland and northern Bering Sea. Do they hibernate? Uh, They probably don't hibernate at all. They probably go into a torpor, uh, but we still call it hibernation. The pregnant females will dig a den in the snow and give birth. So that's kind of their torpor. And females, I read something years ago, a guy had studied them, and he said females could go up to eight months without eating. Eight months without eating. Uh, If you've had teenagers in your house, you know most of them cannot go eight minutes without eating. But female polar bears, eight months. But they again, they really don't hibernate in the strictest sense. Adult males and non-pregnant females don't hibernate or go into torpor. So they're up and at them all the time. Uh, so that's, yeah, I, I need to get up and see polar bears someday. I've never seen a polar bear other than in a... The zoo. A zoo, mm-hmm. yeah. Same here. And uh, 
man, they're so pretty. I'd love to go to Churchill or somewhere. I listened to a story. Somebody told a story going to see the polar bears. Well, they went at the wrong time of the year to Churchill, and there were no polar oh. bears at all. And um, they said, uh, how did she put it? I should have read the brochure more <laughs> carefully. And I think that's a yeah. lesson for all of us. I hope everyone will come to the cafe today where the food chain is missing a few links. The special is always a Heimlich maneuver and gravy is considered a beverage and now featuring authentic leftovers, less hair in the food, and real cup holders where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet. Well, hardly any. You know, I was far from home, and I pulled into a convenience store for fuel. The pump had a TV showing the news. I appreciate a break from the world's problems and loud commercials (laughs) while pumping gas. So I pushed the mute button repeatedly, but the mute button just didn't do anything, and the talking heads refused to stifle. I got my fill of the news long before my car's tank was filled with gas. Not much later, I wiped road salt off my Bunyan Buicks, my shoes. I had the time to do that because my hotel room wasn't ready yet because it wasn't my room yet. If it had been my room, I'd have had it ready for me. The delay caused me to dig out a pen and a receipt. If I don't have a notebook, I write things on newspapers, napkins, bookmarks, receipts, and anything else I can scribble upon. I'm a chronic note-taker. I write things down. I'm not about to spend my time trying to remember things. I've got better things to do, things like trying to remember what I wrote on and where I put it. Remember, folks, Heartland is while we're driving past. Thank you, Karen, as always, for your wonderful company, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Al, it's always great to hear from you. We will be back again next week. Until then, happy bird watching. Thanks, Karen. All right, bye-bye, Bye. Al. Our good friend Al Bat joining us every Tuesday at 10 o'clock, so it's great to hear from him. It is 1031, and you are listening to a Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio. And it's about 15 degrees right now, and it's